my passion project. Welcome to I Am My Passion Project, a companion of my digital magazine, Badass Silver Streak. I'm Lorna Nickel. I'm an artist, writer, graphic designer, thinker, a Renaissance woman, if you will. This podcast is a way for me to give a voice to women over 50, like myself, a platform to discuss sexism, health and wellness, redefining beauty, and healing from betrayal trauma. Without further ado, let's dig in together and figure out ways to resist societal expectations while reimagining a world where mature women are made visible and empowered to become their own passion projects. Let's do this. Hey, just a quick note about this episode. You will hear some dinging from notifications, and that is just one of the technical difficulties that we had with this episode. But please bear with it, because I do think you will find this juicy conversation worth your while. This morning, I have the privilege of interviewing Brenda R. Bryant. She rocks the title of kick-ass inspirational speaker and the diviner of human potential. As a speaker's coach, transformational coach, and mastermind facilitator, she supports women to unmask and nurture their genius, empowering them to live in the strength of their passion. She teaches through the Raise Your Voice Speakers Club, Badass Warriors Circle Mastermind, dream-building workshops, one-on-one coaching, and workshops and stages around the country. She uses warm-hearted humor, with a deep wealth of knowledge to convey how important communication is to feminine power. Brenda began working in her passion of building community and supporting women in the early 1970s, during which time she became active in the women's movement. For the past 45 years, she has continued to build her toolkit to support women's empowerment. We have a lot to dig into, so let's start the empowerment party. (laughs) I am super excited to have you on this episode. Let's get started by having you tell us a little bit about your business so we can get to know you, me and the audience. I mean, I kind of know you already a little bit anyway because I'm working with you, but I would love for you to talk about your business and what types of folks you work with. Well, thanks for that question. Call myself the diviner of human potential. I believe that it strikes to the heart of what it is. And I really love human beings and I want to empower human beings to show up in the truth of who they are. And I do work women with women more specifically, heart-centered women entrepreneurs, because that is my history as a feminist and working in the women's movement. I really have a clear sense of some of the blocks and habits that get in the way of women stepping up and being visible and opening to their divine sovereignty. And so as a, I have a club called the Raise Your Voice Speakers Club, and that is so that we can create a safe and sacred place for women to actually explore who they want to be now. What is that? What are they bringing to the table and how do they practice showing up for that in a safe environment where they can really fall on their face and get picked up by other people, right? Because we all need a safe place to try things on and to explore the truth of us and to be and to be held in reverence for that exploration. And that's what I do in everything I do is to the best of my ability. I want to talk about the blocks that women have. But first, I'm going to ask you another question, which has to do with the title of this episode, which is living in your passion at any age. So Would you say that you are living in your passion? And if so, what fuels it? 
Well, I'm going to give you a little story because I can. Back in 2010, I had two major surgeries calling me into the question of how am I being complacent about my life? And spirit came and spoke to me, literally came and spoke to me and basically really guided me to show up and to take charge of the gifts that I've been giving. And so my promise, because I was saved from having cancer growing in my body and not having control, was that I would live full out. And so instead of having one foot in the grave and one foot one foot on land, hoping at some point I'd make a decision, I made a decision to be solidly placed on land of possibility. And I am doing everything within my conscious power, which is the issue of mindset stuff, everything is in my power to live a vigorous life, a vibrant life, a full life, enjoying everything that I do and really searching for joy in every activity. And so passion to me is really about loving who I am, loving what I'm doing, loving the people I'm around, showing affection, being respectful, holding the space for what human beings are capable of when they step into saying yes to the purpose that we've been given. Yeah, I love that. When we were born. I know you work specifically with women. What made you decide to work specifically with women? And if we want to, if we could get back to the blocks, what do you think are the blocks that women have in being empowered? Well, we're living in a patriarchal structure, Christian structure, and a capitalist structure that all ignores the power of women. So where does blocks come from? (laughs) We've been downloaded with all this misinformation about who we are. And so we tend to believe that that's the truth of us, but it has nothing to do with the truth of us. It has to do with people's fear of our power as creative forces in the universe. And as birthers of human beings, I mean, how much more powerful can you get than to bring a human being into the world, right? But we are also co-creators, we're collaborators, we communicators, we embody nurturing of the planet and the nurturing of our communities. And so it's a place where we need to step up and we've been violated rigorously over the years not to claim that part of ourselves. And so blocks come from fear of being ostracized, fear of not being enough, fear of not being worthy, fear of being being hackled, fear of there's all everything that could possibly come up in our minds about how we show up comes up because it's been downloaded into us from the time that we were born to present moment. Because if you listen and hear the hate that's going on in the world and you look at all of the ways that women are sexualized, made less than. I mean, all of that impacts our own ability to step into our power. And so that's to me why it's important to have sacred spaces for women so we can help each other reclaim that power and step into that sovereignty and know that we have a community of people backing us, right? That when we build a community of women, what we're building is people holding us up in a world that is determined to tell us we don't deserve to have what we're dreaming up. And we do deserve to have what we're dreaming up. I'm in favor of that, you might say. I'm in favor of that too. And that makes me think a little bit about how You can't just put a woman in power and give her no backing. In organizations, sometimes the companies want to put somebody 
want to put a woman as the CEO or COO so they can show that they are part of the equity and inclusion or a black person or somebody who is a minority, but they don't give them any support. And then they fall because they have no support. And then they point the finger and say, see, that's what happens if we give them power. They can't get the job done when really it's because they were for years and years told they couldn't do things and had to struggle in a lot of different ways and finally given power, but not having any support, like the whole patriarchy supports itself, holds itself up. And so when somebody who is a minority is put in power, they need that support too. They need support of other women and also men to say, yes, you can. Well, studies show that if you're going to put a woman on a board, she can't be the only woman. There actually has to be at least three for the impact, for the support, for the voice to be heard because men under will basically talk over the one woman. They will minimize her. And so it has to be at least three women in positions of power and any given structure if there's actually going to be moved towards equity. Yeah, I think that is so interesting. And I don't know how many people, how many companies or nonprofits are actually making a move to do that. Another issue is when we genderize things too specifically, we often miss the point of the quality of the core values of the person we're putting in, right? So when you say, well, there's a woman in charge and she's as bad as the men. Well, women who move into corporate world or the political world and have you know, have been battling tooth and nail, adapted to that culture. And so the tactics, the way that they use that is they become very male identified in their tactics. And so you can't kind of go gender specific and say, see that woman that, you know, because we got one woman, right? And see, she's worse than the men. It's because to get there, she had to be who they wanted her to be. And at some point in the journey, she might have had a vision of herself being more, which She's stepping into that, but maybe not recognizing that the tactics that she had to use were actually counterproductive to the quality of life that most of us want to actually be living in. Yeah, I totally know what you're talking about because I actually had a job once where it was actually in an art store in Seattle that I worked at. And there was one woman who was in a leadership position and she acted the same way that all of the men did and just kind of harsh and cold. And I felt like that was definitely a reaction that she had to the struggle that she had to do to get to her place of power as just a manager in an art store. And it was interesting because my relationship with her was very stern, cold, I guess, until the day that I told her that I was quitting and then she actually cried in the office. <laughs> I was like, oh, you are a human being. Yeah, show that because of all of the criticisms for using her intuition or being soft or not being hard enough. I mean, there's just so much goes on in certain cultures that are so counterproductive to creating a good company and a good place for people to work, and they don't even know it because there's the paradigms, the conditioning, the beliefs, the patterns, the habits that they're living in are so, they're so immersed, they don't even question that something might need to be given back. 
hand it back over. It's like, no, this is not the truth of me here. I'm going to hand this back over to whoever offered it up as being who I was supposed to be. And in my own world, let's bring this home to personal because we can talk theoretical. But in my own world, I've had to adapt in a lot of ways to try to fit in or to earn a living, right? It's only at this stage in my life where I get to really kind of go, well, that isn't really who I want to be, right? So how do I hand that back? And so that's really at the heart of my work these days is to really help women move towards a bigger version of themselves through claiming their passion and their purpose and then recognizing what parts are they working from, what paradigms are they working from that get in the way of them truly owning the truth of them and the value of them and the genius of them and the, and the gifts that they bring, right? Because they're actually letting go of the, of the constrictions that have been placed on them in order for them to even survive, to have a roof over their head, to have a job, right? To be able to keep their children. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I hear you. And that makes me think about other jobs that I've had where I was afraid to speak up in meetings when we were talking about ideas because I was a graphic designer for many years and being in a position where the leaders of the company or of management were having meetings and men's voices were louder than mine. And because I came from a place of not feeling like I was enough or smart enough, just kind of being beaten down that I wouldn't even want to make no, a comment. Because you don't want to be ostracized. I mean, you can stay invisible on your own and be in your own power. But the minute you step up and try to be invisible, and they're going to slap you down for that, that's a harsh place to live. I mean, that hurts the heart. It hurts the soul. And it certainly doesn't help us feel like we're respected or that we're equal. So we pick and choose our battles. We have to survive the jobs. And we have to pick and choose where and how we go at that. And our birthright is to show up in our light and our blessings. And yet we've not been afforded that through many structures. That's why it's so important to me to be a feminist, to rally women, to even the new feminist wave, to really look at process and look at how they're showing up and how they're holding the space for kindness and respect, listening and honoring each other. Because if we're not honoring each other, we can have differences of opinion, but that doesn't mean we can't honor and respect each other. Yes. Do you have a quick tip for women wanting to step into their passion but are afraid they don't have the right shoes or that they might choose the wrong trail? Yeah, I laughed at that question. <laughs> right shoes, huh? Trail, huh? All right. So the first thing Can I... Can you tell I I'm can... a runner? <laughs> and a trail runner at that. I think the first thing I would say is to ask yourself, what would I love? kind of really being in the curiosity of who am I today and what would feed and nurture me? What would I get to enjoy? What would lift my spirits? What would inspire me? So what would I love is the first is question I think needs to be asked. And then you have to be willing to kind of narrow it, bring it home in a way that says, what action will I take? Because I love that. So whether it's I'm going to go out and buy a sketchbook 
or I'm going to take a walk in the park, or I'm going to call my grandkids for, for an ice cream. What would you love, really, if we're asking that every day in every way we can, then our work starts to then take the flavor of really being in, infused with passion and infused with desires to live a life worth living. Make sense? It does make sense. The thing that I have problems with sometimes, and I know that my husband does and other women do too. I just threw my husband in there because we're in a bit of a transition now with some big life changes, moving to places, selling things, buying things, and is putting restrictions on your dreams. And I think that a lot of women want to think practically. And so they even in their mind limit what they think their potential is. Absolutely. How can they stop? How can we stop doing that? Well, the first thing is we have to be aware we're doing it, that we're actually capping our own joy because noticing what we notice, right? Paying attention to what we're thinking generates a feeling. And if that feeling is expansive, then you want to keep going with it. If it's contracted, then you want to really be in the question of, of what is it that I need to be doing in order to stay in an expansive state? How can I imagine myself coming from a generated state of the joy of doing this in a way that keeps me moving forward with creating this, right? And so, you know, small steps will get you to the top of Mount Everest. So often it's like we stop ourselves before we even get started because we are so used to the paradigm saying you're not capable of that or you can't do that. Or, Who's going to give you permission? That's the voice that we have to interrupt and reprogram and repattern. But we have to be aware of it in order for that to happen. So the work I'm doing with the Brave Thinking Institute, I just love it because I'm a transformational coach. I've been doing breath work and hypnotherapy for a long time. But these practical applications are about being willing to work on the vision and the dream of who you want to be and then taking actions in the direction, something you can do to support that. Now, it might take you going to a course. It might take you needing to ask for a raise. It might take you doing some things that maybe are uncomfortable, but in the service of the dream, you're willing to actually go ahead and make that move. And so there's lots of moves we can make in service of living in our passion, living in our purpose. And what we do is we jump to the end and say, well, that's too big. So we qualify it when it's, no, it's just a move. Like the next move is the next thing. And every move we make gets us closer to building what it is that we really want. But we have to kind of bring it in and have a vision and be willing to serve that vision and be willing to take action on behalf of that vision. And it takes time. And we have to notice our own patterns and our own beliefs and our own habits in order to get around that corner and to find yourself on a new street. You have to be observant. You have to be conscious. You have to be in the zone of saying, is this something I love? Is this serving my dream? Or am I doing it at a habit? Or am I doing it out of somebody else telling me this is what I'm supposed to do? And quite often, that's how we're operating. We're operating out of what we're allowed to do versus what we're capable of. And the journey for me is to help women really understand the power within them to step up to a better, bigger version of who they want to be based on their design of what it is for them to live in the power of who they are born to be. How do we get there? Yes, that sounds very big. 
it's just a piece of the process. <laughs> I think the women get scared off feeling like their dream is too big. And so I think that breaking it into smaller chunks is good, like steps and giving yourself permission to just be proud of the small steps that you take every day if you have a big ticket item that you want to accomplish. I also know that there's a phrase these days about going with the energy. And I think that energy can be blocked and perhaps a lot of women don't know how to tap into their energy and to release it in ways that they kind of go with the flow of that energy. Do you have any tips or tricks about that? Yeah, I do. I have tricks, man. I have tricks. One of the things is to, again, we're noticing what we notice. And when we notice that we're in a contracted state, we can actually work with our breath. Conscious breathing is one of the most powerful ways to get out of fight, flight, and freeze and move back into being grounded in our body and then making a decision from a grounded place versus being in the frozen place, right? So if we breathe in through our mouth and breathe in through our nose and breathe out through pursed lips, And keep doing that until you find yourself back in a state of feeling like you're back in your body or you're back at a normal stasis. Then you can ask yourself what I just said. What would I love? And then take the next step based on that, right? And so we come from that generated action versus coming from fear action or pattern action. We come from a conscious by design movement. And that's a big part of where the shift happens. We are either in our lives by design or we're in our lives by default. And most people are living their lives by default. So what I'm telling you here is about how do we get ourselves in a life by design and how can we interrupt the patterns that have kept us from achieving the success or the results or the things that we're really wanting to achieve. And so it means interrupting the pattern by breathing choosing and taking a step in the direction of it. But you have to have that designed in your brain. You have to have a vision of yourself and you need to spend time creating that vision of yourself. It's yours to create. The imagination is one of the most powerful. The brain is one of the most powerful tools we've been given in order to create the life we want, right? So when you're thinking positively, when you're thinking, this is what I want, and this is what it feels like to have it, and here's, you know, it's a red car, and it's the latest model, and seats flip back, and I got my two on and I'm rolled down, rolling down the road, traveling to the next best camping spot ever because I got an off-roader. When you have all that specific detail, what it does is you are now telling the universe, I'm lining this up and I'm going to breathe this in it so you can support me in getting it. Right? So the molecules are actually formulating around the vision. You have this thinking stuff, you have this container called your vision, and then the universe starts to fill up that container with the things that you need in order for you to accomplish the things that you're dreaming up for yourself. It's work. <laughs> it is work. But in the work, we also find greater achievement, greater joy, greater connection, a sense of place that becomes ours because we're being true to our own voice. Can we talk a little bit about imposter syndrome? You got to go there. I knew you were going to go. 
Because a lot of people face that. And I just wonder what you have to say about imposter syndrome and how you have avoided it. So you were able to start your business and be where you are inspiring other women. Because it's a hard thing to overcome when we've been put in positions of, well, women of being weaker, the weaker sex. And you're just throwing up your hand. You're like, that's stupid. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you think about how Oregon was even founded. I mean, women walked across the country on foot, pregnant, having dropping babies and picking them up and continuing to walk. I don't know how we ever got a reputation of being weaker, weaker sex, sex. Other than the corsets that would cause us to faint because we couldn't breathe and shoes and foot binding so we couldn't walk. You know, the weaker sex was was all a way in which to, again, to keep women from being powerful. And so the imposter syndrome is an interesting journey. I was reading about it. I actually have done some presentations on it in the past. And over the years, I've been thinking about it. I think what it means to me is that we have expectations placed on us, our families. You're going to go to school and you're going to be an A student. And the research that was done back in the 80s was out of, I think it was out of Harvard or Stanford. And she was interviewing law students who were working 14, 16, 18 hours a day and were feeling so overwhelmed and so unable to accomplish things that they felt like they were imposters, you know, because they were there and they don't know how they're going to keep their spot, right? And so the journey is, to me, is one of recognizing when we're playing into the hand of somebody else's expectations of us. And we're not owning our own place of, I'm on this journey of learning, I am a seeker. I'm always going to be trying new things. And every time I try something new, I'm going to be awkward about it. And I'm going to be really uncomfortable about it. It doesn't mean I won't get there. It just means while I'm learning, I have to adapt my behavior to draw in the lessons. And as an entrepreneur, you're going to feel like you're an imposter every single bloody day. I want to say other You can cuss. Can I cuss? Yeah, you can. I can now be truthful to myself. Oh, my God. So the journey really is about being in the curiosity and the question of is, who am I in this right now? And I'm having a learning experience. So, no, I do not know the answer or I know a partial answer. So what can I do to build the muscle of knowing what it is that is my next step to do the right thing? to do this, but I'm going to go through a learning experience. And in that learning experience, I'm going to feel awkward. I'm going to feel unsure of myself, but you have to own that passion. This is where the vision and the passion really shows up. Because when you know that you're doing it, doing something that's awkward and uncomfortable in service of your dream, you're fired up to get there, baby. You're going to do it because I want my vision more than I'm concerned about being an imposter. And we have to jump over that hurdle of recognizing that our value is in saying, yeah, I'm learning. I'm in a learning curve. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. I'm going to stay curious. I'm going to ask for grace. I'm going to ask for permission to make a mistake and learn from that. Mary Morsey says that she has a black belt in failure and a black belt in success. And I think as entrepreneurs, we have to be willing to earn those both of those black belts because when we fail, we learn. 
And when we grow from that learning, we're better at the next thing we're going to get to do. And when we get, when we recognize that, to me, there's no such thing as a failure. <laughs> there's only the opportunity to say, huh, I wonder what I needed to do different there. Or, huh, I wonder how I can change that approach because I recognize that I need to do something different and I'm uncertain as to what it is. So let's get curious about it. So when we stay in the question and we ask the good questions, what begins to happen is this thing start to show up and unfold for us so we can say, oh yeah, there it is. I can learn how to do that, right? You know, technology is a bit of a sore point for me, but I know how to do Zoom. I know how to record things. I know how to send out. I had to learn that stuff and I never liked it, but I do it in service of the vision of what it is to serve my clients. I don't do it because I like it. I do it because it's in service. And when I do it that way, then it's like, oh yeah, okay. And then, of course, I hire people who know better than me because I'm building up a business that is based on me using my genius and the parts of me that I need to be that are my excellence and moving forward in that. And then the things that are just not my thing, I find people who are going to be support for me. So I don't have to put myself in the place of feeling like I'm a failure or I'm I'm an imposter. I like, yeah, I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to learn enough to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. In order to hire the person who's going to be the guidance I need them to be, but I need to know enough to make sure that they are what I want them to be. So education, self-education is important, but I also feel like authenticity is sort of the cure to imposter syndrome too. If you're feeling like an imposter, it might be because you're trying to pretend to be somebody that you're not in a certain position when if you just allowed yourself to be vulnerable and say to yourself and to the other people, I am learning, I don't know everything, and you give yourself permission to step into a space that way, and then also others can see that you've done that and it's kind of like a ripple out effect and they might feel more comfortable themselves giving up needing to feel like they know everything. Well, that is the heart. That is a place of authenticity. I've never heard it used so much as in the last five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always strive to be my very own self, but not everybody has. And with often at great risk to where I was going to live or where I was going to get a job or whatever. But it's more important to me that I find the culture that supports me being authentically me. And yes, and and we've been told to fake it till you make it. So Mm -hmm. we've been told to mask that, to hide that, to don't tell anybody that you have this weakness because, you know, they'll take advantage of it. And of course, people have. But the reality is i believe in a culture of total transparency. You get the right to have your privacy and your secrets. I'm not saying that, but transparency means I'm not vulnerable to any opinion you have of me because I've already put it out there that I don't know how to do that, or I'm weak in this thing, or I'm great at this, right? So so when I'm transparent, there's no place it can kind of attack me from because I already know what I've told you, and I already know what that looks like. And if you have an opinion about that, great. That's your opinion, and that does not necessarily mean that I have to have anything to do with your opinion. And that to me is my boundary. And that is another piece of the story, right? How do we create healthy boundaries 
when exploring and journeying through this place of who's being and what we're becoming because of the choices we're making. And so boundaries are a huge part of that and stepping up to trying things on and knowing that when you're trying, you're going to learn something from it and you may have to do it two or three, five, ten times before you get the gist of what that is offering you. But that's the commitment you make to becoming the best version of you. Well said. (laughs) So I'm skipping around to a lot of different questions because Brendan just knows a lot of things. Although I wish that I could just kind of go with the flow with the conversations. There's just so much that I want to tap her for in a short amount of time. So (laughs) please excuse the quick jumps from question to question. So here's the next one. What do you think are some of the most common reasons people get stuck in their lives? And what holds women back from achieving their full potentials? Love the simplicity of your questions, by the way. Uh, I think people get stuck because they're in conflict with the need to belong and the need to figure out how to be themselves and still belong when when cultures tell us that we're not worthy or we should be quiet or we shouldn't rock the boat. And so any ripple that says to the universe, well, I'm a creative and I'm going to go out there and make a living being a creative. And the whole world says, you can't make a living being a creative. And yet, you know, hundreds of thousands, not millions of people are making a living being creative. But the mindset was, is that you can't do that. I mean, you take Walt Disney, for instance, he was fired because as, as an illustrator from one of the first magazines, newspapers he worked for, because he wasn't a good enough illustrator, only to go ahead and build this empire because he stayed true to himself. Or Michael Jordan was told that he would never make a good basketball player. We are told day in and day out, and there's women along those lines. I just don't have those examples. But women have been so excluded from history. We don't see that women have been accomplishing these amazing things. If you look at the astronauts who were the science behind getting the the first moon trip going, I mean, I can't remember the name of that movie, but so many ways that we've been edited out of being part of the historical overview of what has changed lives. There's a woman who was an actor who actually did the sonar system for the weapons for World War II that actually helped win the war. She never got credit for that. She died at 85 or something like that. And that's when they decided they would let her, say to her, thank you, after she died. Right. Right. So we have to step into recognizing that blocks are beliefs that aren't ours. And again, I love the handover. Like, wait a minute, let me take a curious look at what is it that's going on here? And is that true about me? And what what can I do to step into a bigger truth? And then how can I hand that over to whoever, my mother, the church, the school teacher, whoever handed me that notion that I don't have a right to be this singer or this dancer or this poet or this scientist or whatever, whoever handed me that, I need to hand that back over and make a choice based on my willingness to live to my passion in my own dream. And what can I accomplish from that? Because until we're willing to step up and say that, we will stay blocked. Do you think that there might be too much pressure by society for people to live to their fullest potential? (laughs) I don't know about society. I mean, we were born 
with this potential in us. And so I think it's our birthright to live to that potential. How we go about it is a choice that we get to make. And so we have to make those choices internally. We have to do our inner work. So any pressure from the outside does not help us be tapped into the truth of us. It only adds that pressure. So I don't know, really. I mean, I think, you know, being told who to be drives me crazy and it makes me a rebel. And I like my rebel side when appropriately applies. So anytime you say no, it's like, okay, watch me go, right? And so a lot of women don't have that. They hear no, and they just shut down. It's like, wait a minute, kind of like, let's get into the question here. Like, what is it they're saying no to exactly? Why would I be listening to them when my spirit, my heart, my passion is saying, this is something I want to really give a try to? Will I be the frontline dancer of the ballet? Maybe not. But I will go out and exercise my body and learn moves and have fun and build community. And I might actually be a really good teacher for these young kids coming up who need somebody who's going to nurture them and take them to the next step of their vision. Right? We can apply ourselves in all kinds of ways. And when we stop ourselves from applying ourselves at all, we're depriving the world of our blessings. And I don't think that should be the case. What do you think about applying the concept of privilege to living to your full potential. I think a lot of people associate that with privilege, like not everyone gets to do that. And sometimes it actually has to do with insecurities, like financial insecurities. Like there would be, for example, my mom was a person, I think she had dreams like most people. And because of her financial instability, She just wasn't really able to achieve, I don't think, her full potential. But it was financial, but it was also a mindset, too, I think, for her. But just can you talk a little bit about the connection between privilege and people thinking that that has something to do with being able to achieve your full potential and do the things that you want to do? And are there ways that you can try to achieve your full potential, even if maybe you don't have the same kind of backing as somebody else. Well, you're applying a lot of that privilege to money. And we've been given a birthright, right? When we came in, we were given a soul. We were given a purpose. We were given the opportunity to show up and do something with this life. And so it's not financial. I mean, we attack a lot of things from that. We don't have the money. But what if you could do something from where you're at and and what would that look like? You could buy a sketch pad or you could get scrap paper. You could go to scrappers and buy and get all kinds of colored pencils and paper for like a nickel, right? That is just simply limited thinking getting in the way. But when we decide that our purpose and our passion, it's not about privilege because people all over the world know joy, know their purpose, fishermen welders, women who are crafters, women who are doing bedspreads, women who are who are who are raising their kids, they're living in their passion, right? It's not financial and it's not culturally, you know, it's not it's not socially approved of or it is. Who in the hell knows? But when we try to look at it from privilege, I mean there's white privilege. There's there's male privilege. Everybody's got more privilege than somebody else when we look at it from that structure. But when we look at it from the soul's journey, everybody's created with the opportunity to express themselves 
thoroughly through the birthright that they've been giving, but we need to step up to that. So how did you come to the work that you do now? And what are some of the obstacles that you've had to push through to get to the place where you are able to coach others? I'm a graduate of the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. And when I graduated, I went into working at one of the top advertising agencies in the city. And it was a soul-sucking job. And I went, this is not going to feed or nurture me. You know, it was basically I was being totally used as a sex object and bad jokes, bad things. I didn't like it there. And so I started looking around and the journey brought me to the women's movement. And I started to apply my craft as a designer in the women's movement, helping academics actually make work that actually people could read (laughs) because academics have a tendency to talk above everybody. And yet they're trying to reach these people. But that was my job. My job was to be the mediator, the interpreter, and then create materials that the people they were trying to reach could actually navigate. Right. So after 16 years of working in the women's movement there, one day I was at a protest and I heard somebody talking about, well, my husband won't give me permission to do that. And it struck such an interesting chord in me because it's like, as long as we're asking permission, for who we get to be, we are still in the victim position. So how as activists, as a feminist, as, you know, working the peace movement, the lesbian gay movement, the human rights movement, I'm not asking for permission, right? But to know how to stand for myself requires something different. So a book fell on my head called Working from the Inside Out by Sonia Johnson. Totally changed my life because it showed me that we had the healing work to do the inner work to do, the awareness work, the consciousness building of, of like how we're, how we're being programmed, how we're being trained, and how we're missing out on, on a full-spectrum life because we're conditioned to believe that to be good girls, to be pleasers, to stay in your place, don't create any waves. I mean, that was a lot of why the feminist movement got so much backlash, right? It's like these women are not respectful, right? It's like, yeah, you're right, because we're not being respected. Why would we respect back? Like, well, let's get to the meat of this. So so the journey, I think, is is one of coming into relationship with an acknowledgement that we are born to be impactful. We have creative resources. We are creators by nature, and that our job is to own that. Did I answer that question in any way? Yeah, I think that you did. I think that you did. So we kind of need to end because it's getting to the end of time, but it's hard to, because I have so many more questions (laughs) to figure out where to go from here. But I think that a good one to ask would be the question about procrastination, because a lot of women, maybe they have an idea of what their passion is or you know they feel like they're getting close or maybe some women don't even know where to start what would your tip be for women who are going on this journey wanting to live their fullest life and are having issues with procrastination what what would be the steps i think work with your breathing that i did with the Taking in that that breathing will realign you to another place of being grounded. And then ask yourself, what would I love? And then figure that out and take any action you can. It may be a one-minute action. It may be a five-minute action. 
I think we're often trying to eat the elephant in one bite, but in fact, every project requires that we take it step by step by step by step, and that's what creates the outcomes. And so I think we go to the end and we say it's too big. How about if we go to right where we're at and say, what can I do with what I have right now? And what would that look like? Okay, I can make a phone call. I can ask a friend for support. I can research, you know, who's doing this kind of line of clothing in the area and what success are they having? I mean, there's all, there's no end to what we can do when we decide that, yes, in fact, I can take an action from where I'm at with what I have, and that will move you forward. And since this is a podcast that is geared towards women over 50, are there some challenges or things that you think get easier after the age of 50 for women working towards stepping into their passion and starting their own businesses? Uh, I think you have to recognize that life's a big journey and you have to pick and choose where you want to be and pick and choose who your friends are. Create healthy boundaries have an active plan for what you're passionate about and be ready to look the challenges in the eye and say, you're not bigger than I am. I am bigger than this challenge. And so what am I going to do with this? I'm going to make this turn. And so you have to step up, step up and own the beauty of who you are. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a privilege. And like I said, I really wish that I had more time to ask you all of the questions. And because of technical difficulties, I haven't been able to break in (laughs) and have more of a conversation. It's been more of a, a question and answer type of interview, but it's been so inspirational to talk to you. And I'm so glad that I get to work with you as a coach. It's awesome. And before I let you go, I'm just going to ask if there's anything in particular that you want to plug. And I know you have many things that you're working on. So please share. May 13th and 14th, I'm going to do a drum making workshop. So anybody who's on the spiritual path who would like to have a power instrument and would like to lay in a prayer for their lives, it's an amazing opportunity. All you can do, give me a call. It's on Facebook, but my phone number is 503-728-8700. I'm also doing, for the Speakers Club, I am doing three keys to rock your keynote. And so I'm really looking at helping women organize their presentations and their message so that can have more impact. So just reach out to me if this is firing you up in any way at all. Just book a 30-minute strategy session. Let's have a conversation. Let's see if we're a good fit and how I can support you in expanding your place in the world so that your visibility, your heart, and your skill set serve the world because we need you right now. Yes, indeed. And if you missed any of that, I will put all of Brenda's information in the show notes. So thanks again for being on my podcast. And I look forward to our next session. You do. It's great. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. So very, very much. You have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Am My Passion Project. New episodes drop every Friday. If you enjoyed this content, please consider sharing with a friend or two or more or leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I hope you're able to move through your week, speaking your own truth and embracing your badass self. I am my passion project.